Hello and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. We're coming to you after Liverpool 3, Bournemouth 1. I've got Beryl Agus, I've got Chief and Chief, same side. It's, it is the same side, isn't it? It's just exactly the same team. Um, no changes. We know Klopp does this. It's it's kind of normally three games before the international break. It's four this time. It's it's kind of looked at like a little mini session, a little mini league or competition or whatever. But you take four points from three games, given the first game away from Stamford Bridge, regardless of the state they're in. Um, and... Yeah, we don't start particularly particularly well. Um, and it kind of emphasised the first 20 minutes, certainly the issues that we have that people will point to in terms of recruitment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose you could look at it that way. Um, we looked hesitant. We looked uh, unsure, insecure. Um, and it was really a frankly fucking awful start um, to the game. Obviously, they get the the disallowed goal, which you'd think might be a bit of a wake up call, but it doesn't prove to be. And they get the um, they, they get the the one that stands. And you know they 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 could be further ahead by the time we get close to waking up and. You know, you'd sort of probably say that if you had a um, a recognised sort of number six in there at the start of the game, perhaps you wouldn't have seen sort of quite the the frailty through the through the middle of the park that, that we saw in the opening twenty. Although, having said that, maybe maybe it's also sort of a, a mentality thing at the moment. What with it um, still being the start of the season and there being new signings. On the pitch and and sort of the bedding and the new system, the bedding process and so on. But yeah, it wasn't pretty. It absolutely wasn't pretty. Um, but thankfully, we sort of you know woke up and um, with a with a um, a good helping hand from Luis, Luis Diaz's magic. Um, we get back on the road and and um, you know. It's a very eventful game, but in the end, we 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 run out deserved and and comfortable winners. Um, but yeah, the opening twenty was was horrible. Yeah, Beryl, it's a it's not a, it's not ideal. Um, but yeah, we we get the grips of the game. And we need to start better, but there were really encouraging signs. Um, as as Chief says, Diaz gets just very, what's becoming a very typical Diaz goal, something or nothing, like just agility and, and you know, just general kind of bendiness. Um, it's just a, like a typical South American finish. And I think something that had been labelled at him was, yes, he's flashing, he's great to watch, and he's entertaining, a beat man, he's all the tricks, but we need to see some output. Well, there's two goals in two games, so there's not much more you can ask for from that, is there? Uh, no, I wouldn't be, uh, don't want to be ungrateful. But yeah, but also greedy. So yeah, I would like to see see him uh, keep doing this um but yeah I, I i think we we all saw that he um uh, he came back from the injury but wasn't uh, up to you know what we had uh, seen flashes of uh, from the moment that he he started playing for us you know especially the fact that if if he received the ball you you knew something was going to happen but was generally was uh, in a role as a provider or something, you know, make something happen. But uh, he, he does look m- more clinical or you, know, you couldn't say that this was a, a tap-in or, or something like that because he, uh, he, he, it was not an easy chance. Uh, he, he, no, it wasn't, Earl, obviously... but I think the interesting thing is, <laughs> the interesting thing for me is, it's yes, yeah, a wonderful finish, but both of his goals, he's found himself in between the posts 
Yeah, yeah, and 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 this is probably something we have worked on uh, on the on the pitch on the training pitch, uh, um, because uh, and we've talked about this before. It's 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 important that that a team um, can't be blunted just by you know having a plan for and for us it would be generally would be Salah. You know, if there is only one player you have to fear as a, as an opponent, then you know you you can. Uh, try everything to to uh, to keep them away from the goal. But now um, we we have other players who who uh, are you know starting to to regularly pitch in and 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 scoring goals. And so teams won't know uh, where the danger will exactly come from. So I think um, he has become less flashy, and and um, that sounds like a bad thing, but probably. Um, we are working on the fact that uh, you know he he, he he could be more effective, and uh, you know uh, it's only two games in, but uh, I, I like what I see, and I I would really like to see more of that. Uh, so yeah, uh, uh, Luis Diaz can can continue, um, uh, you know, if if uh, if uh, if everything goes like it goes now, I would like to see uh, see that happen. Uh, yeah, it's it's been really encouraging, Chief. You know, if you want to give a word on Diaz, absolutely fine. I think um, also interesting is Diogo Jota just being Diogo Jota. And I think let's cast our minds back to, you know, three or four games after his, his um, comeback from his injury last season where we're like, sell him to Newcastle for, for 50 million is what people were saying. But it just continues to be like, Really understated and a little bit frustrated, but ultimately extraordinarily decisive in games. And, you know, his, his variety of goals that he scores, his ability to find himself in the right place at the right time. And, you know, I think a, a great assist, although the cross takes a little bit of a deflection um, for Diaz's goal, you know, he's there and involved um, for the first goal as well, although it looks like. You literally want to hook him after fifteen minutes. Yeah, I mean he's he's getting in, he's getting sort of getting his sharpness. I think at the at the start of the season, after sort of only having really come back towards the the very tail end of of last season, and you're right, you, you do want to hook him after twenty minutes. He's he's absolutely you know awful uh, in the in the opening exchanges, as are many. Of the side, yeah, and you know what, Chief? Just just when you say that, sorry to cut across you, but just just when you say that, it at the end of last season, although we start slowly, and I think it's seven goals in the last eleven games he scores. Oh, absolutely! And one thing you know about him is he, he he's once he hits the back of the net, is he he'll go on a run, and um, it it takes a lot to knock him off that sort of scoring run and. Generally in his career, it's it's been injury that has done that. Um, he's you know he's gotten on a run. He's he's then gotten an injury, and you know it's taken him a while to sort of get back to full sharpness after after returning. And then he starts to get on a, another one, and then unfortunately for him, in recent times he's you know picked up a, another knock. So hopefully you know he's he's fully over that after being out for almost the whole season last season. Um, and if he is and we can keep him fit, he's he's absolutely lethal. Um, invariably, he grows into a game, and, and even if he, he doesn't have his best game, he still finds a way to, more often than not, get on the score sheet. You talk about a player being sort of between the posts when you mentioned Diaz before, and, and that's where, where Jota lives, basically. That's, um, that's where he gets the vast majority of his goals. Um... And as we were talking about pre-pod, you know, he 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 has a pretty even distribution, left foot, right foot header. He can score all types of goals, and he's you know when if to go to go way back and reference you know Arsene Wenger and and Franny Jeffers, Jota really is you know an absolute fox in the box. Um, yeah, but he, what's interesting about that, Chief, and you mentioned the pre-pod, is that you know he seemed to he seemed to become more evolved when. He started playing from the right, and you say a fox in the yeah. box. He he does look to be more effective actually when when he starts in wide positions. Totally. Um, 
but with regards to the fox and the boxing, it's more as finishing. It's more. It's more that if if there's a ball coming in, if there's a free kick coming in, and someone gets their head on it, the chances are it's Jota, um, and it's in the back of the net. If um, if the ball pops up, if there's a rebound and someone's slamming it in, chances are it's, it's Jota, as we saw at the weekend. You know, he's just alive like that in the box. Um, but he and does. I do think to myself, Chief, and I'll come back to that goal. I keep on coming back to that goal last season. Uh, against Spurs, they've just equalised. It's three each in the last minute, and the balls come through to him. And like, there are a lot of other players that have that chance and shit themselves because this is to win it in the last minute in front of the cop. And his reaction after he sticks it away is just like, obviously, I scored. And I think that is what is the most impressive thing for me about him is that when he gets that chance he's just so calm and clinical yeah and he's he's, he's, he's but he's funny like I mean sometimes very often he is but sometimes he's just sometimes he's just I mean you remember that one against Wolves where he's he's almost he almost runs it into the net but then he just decides to absolutely blam it from about two yards and the, the keeper ends up saving it because he's, he just hits it straight on. So sometimes you just think he, he, he you know, he, he does have a bit of a bit of a rush and, and, and maybe doesn't pick the, the perfect finish, but more often than not, yeah, he's, he's incredibly calm when the, when the, when the, when it comes to the crunch, like when, when the time's right. So, um, I think when he when he is at full sharpness, within sort of I don't know three four games now into the season, and you know if he is regularly starting like he has been, then it's it's massive for us because like I said, we were without him for basically the entirety of last season. So if you can keep him fit, there's twenty twenty league goals even perhaps, maybe more. So yeah. And that would be an unbelievable return, Beryl. An unbelievable return. Um, you know, at the other end of the pitch, I think. I think look, two two big issues last year that everybody pointed at was that, you know, Van Dijk was was not at his best. Now look, he came back from from the awful injury, um, and the other thing is his best is unbelievably high the aspiration that anybody would dream of getting to. So, you know, to say he's not back to his best doesn't mean that he hasn't been good. It's just we're judging him against himself. And Canate certainly not available enough last season. But I, I thought, you know, bar the first, the first probably 20 minutes, and you could look at it and think, well, actually, the issues were kind of caused by trends, were kind of caused by the goalkeeper, etc. I thought the two centre halves looked better than they've looked for a long, long time. Caveat, obviously, that it's Bournemouth at home, but you know there were there were challenges there that they didn't bring last season that they dealt with really, really well. Uh, I, I would only uh, want to state that I thought they played actually played well last week also so um you know it w- which was a, a much more difficult game but i thought um totally you know, know and and konate uh, long may he uh, be fit uh, you know he he is he's he's you know he, he's being marvelous I, I think you know um in his in this role that uh, in which he needs to not only be the central defender but also the, the right-sided defender you could say um, he has to cover lots of ground. Uh, um, he needs to be very mobile. You know, he, he just can't. Uh, if you're a defensive team, uh, the positioning for a central defender is much more easy because you, you know uh, the the very narrow margins in which you you move. But uh, he, he needs to cover lots of ground, and and I think he does that really well. He also needs yeah, to also doing really impressive like Joel Matip impressions throughout the game as well. Yeah, um, and that's something that the, uh, I, probably Klopp asks from from that right-sided uh, defender to uh, not only pass the ball but also uh, dribble uh, in uh, to the midfield sometimes just just to 
uh, keep the uh, the opponents uh, guessing, I would say. And uh, again, if if and I think the only issue we could have with Konate would 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 be his his fitness. Um, uh, and let's not forget how young he is. So he, his body is still developing. He's settling into his body uh, probably as well. So um, uh, hopefully um, he, he 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 doesn't get uh, as many. And 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 uh, and there were lots of little niggles last season. Luckily, not not nothing that kept him out for for very long. But uh, hopefully, you know, there's a lot less of that. Um, especially because you know Matip and uh, and Gomez, the the, the two understudies, uh, you would say, uh, haven't been uh, uh, as available as one would have wanted uh, as well. Uh, on the other side, you know, Virgil uh, has played every minute of every game last season, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, and you know, um, uh, bar that uh, that horrendous injury, he ha- he has been, you know, the, the always available. Uh, hopefully, he stays fit, um, and I think there is a new. Uh, there is a new balance there, and I think um, if uh, these two defenders can 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 count on someone, or you know, better the, the whole team uh, uh, shielding them better than they have been uh, for parts of uh, of past season, and you know what we have seen uh, this season sometimes at you know at stretches of games, um, I, I think they, they 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 could be very successful and. Um, but yeah, it it is of course uh, uh, a a worry that uh, I I don't see this being uh, being done by uh, by Matip or, or Gomez if uh, Virgil or um, uh, or Konate are, are not available. But you know, let, let's not go there. Um, what I've seen from them from those two is is I I think very encouraging. Yeah, I think we referenced it a few weeks ago that you know you, the way we're now starting to play. I think you look at you look at Kanate as probably a single point of failure in this team that you just do not have anybody to come in to replace him. If you're if you're still expecting Trent to go and do what what we're asking him to do, uh, and that may leave us exposed. But look, we'll 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 deal with that as we move through the season, um, Chief. Let's get on. Let's get on to the big ticket item here. Um, the next best player in the world. Um, <laughs> the young Hungarian fella was unreal. Again, let's caveat it. It's Bournemouth. I thought he was good last week. Um, but, like, the guy looks like he has everything in his locker. He he wins the penalty. He creates the, the third goal with a decent strike that takes a deflection, but again, he's taken up a good position. He has the confidence to hit it first time. He makes that burst down the right-hand side and gets to the byline, but, you know, there's, you know, dare I say it, there there are Gerard-esque qualities to how elegant, technical, but also huge and pacey and physical that he is getting about the pitch. And those qualities combined, you know, it's really exciting because probably one of the most unknown quantities to arrive at the club in in a long time. Um, Probably a lot of people, including myself, were fairly, if not completely, unaware of. And this guy looks like the real McCoy, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. He, uh, I mean, he's the first player I've seen since Gerard in his pomp to remind me of Gerard in his pomp. Um, I mean, you you said it there. He's got, he's got the poise and uh, the elegance, but at the same time, the pace and the power. And uh, you know the ability to go past players and to to uh, take on shots from the edge of the box and to create. I mean, he's 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 great on set pieces as well. And I think it, it hopefully won't be long before he's just on the corner duties because he's you know his delivery is class. Um, 
he's, you know, he's, he, you you saw it, and every Liverpool fan out there did. And if you've seen sort of Gerard play, you know, back in in the in the uh, in the noughties, I suppose it would have been. Um, there was there was there's certainly a correlation there. There's certainly a reminiscence there of the way you know the way that he covers the ground, but also the way that he sort of dominated proceedings, particularly in the second half. Um, he took control of the game. He took ownership of it. I mean, for me, you mentioned he wins the penalty there. There's there's a bit of talk about it. It's, it's a definite penalty. You might not like it. He might go down a bit, you know, a bit theatrically, but it's a definite penalty. And he knows exactly what he's doing to win it. And it's very, very clever. Um, Gerard used to used to do that all the time. Uh, Istanbul. <laughs> Um, he wins the penalty and he used to love sort of winning a free kick about 20 to 22 yards outside of the box as well because he knew he'd be blaming that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was the first time you really, I well, or I really got to see him because I watched the Chelsea game, but the Chelsea game was, was a bit frantic. It was opening day. It was away from home. Um and you know both sides just sort of wanted to get out of there with um without without losing in the end, um you know we talked about that last week we we don't really need to go into it again but you had much more of a chance to to see him uh, exert his influence in this game and yeah it it bodes really well we've got a real real player there it looks like and you're right I I knew very little about him I hadn't seen him play much at all. Um and it looks like we've we've got a real a real uh, talent here and someone who can be very very important for us and he's he's only twenty two is that right Yeah, it's wild. I mean that's mental because he's, he's he looks and plays in a much 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 uh, more mature way, um, especially in the position that he plays. Um, so I mean you'd be forgiven for thinking he's you know twenty five. So, you know, there's there's a long career there ahead of him at uh, in a red shirt. So um, it looks like a, a really shrewd bit of business. Yeah, Beryl, I, th- I think this is really interesting. Um, he's the Hungarian captain. Um, he looks like, you know, his attitude is, I am a born winner. You can see how he is so direct. He drives. Everything is everything is purposeful that he does and there is without like giving Liverpool fans like PTSD there are Bellingham comparisons to make here and you know the more I look at it now the more I kind of feel as though this is the Bellingham signing that we ultimately don't make because it looks like he has all of those all of those qualities in a game now, which you know, if we, you know, you only have to look at Manchester City and Arsenal and the sort of players that they're signing. You know, gone are the days of of the Iniestas and and Chavis, um, and Pedros, etc. You know, we've got the days of, of of the Rodries and Calvin Phillips and Kovacic's and Declan Rice's and Thomas Parties now, and and this guy like absolutely fits the bill. Yeah, he he has uh, a, a combination of attributes which uh, uh, which uh, you know makes him a total package. I would say, uh, uh, and and I think you know you you can be big and quick, and but if you don't have the the technical skills, then you know just you you won't be as uh, effective, or uh, you know the other way around, uh, you won't be as effective. Yeah, you know, Car- so, Carson okay. Palmer was big and quick. You know. <laughs> Yeah, he was big and quick. Yeah, I'll give him that. Um, and and he was a nice lad, I would say. But um, yeah, and and I think uh, Soboslai is striking me as, as a nice lad as well. But um, uh, I, I think um, what I have seen from him, uh, and uh, I, I won't pretend that I have seen every game of uh, RB Leipzig, but I am a bit of a of of a football idiot. Uh, so if if there is a ball rolling somewhere and 
I'm able to watch it and uh, there's no one uh, else with me in the room who is protesting uh, vehemently against it, then I will try to watch that game. So I, I have seen, uh, uh, um, you know, some games of him at RB Leipzig and uh, even <laughs> at Salzburg. Uh, and I was very, very excited that we got him in. And, uh, you know, I, I thought we wouldn't be able to get him in because uh, I would have thought he would have been priced out of our range, which is, uh, you know, uh, uh, limited, you would say, uh, it, w when we compare it to other uh, big clubs. Um, th there's a discussion to be had there about that as well. But, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the fact that the, he had a limited transfer fee is, is probably what, 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 what got us him. But also the fact that he uh, strikes me as a player who, who is interested in not only, you know, um, um, getting into a team uh, to, to, to win trophies, but also, to, you know, the, the, the romantic part of football, I would say, you know, I, I you know, uh, I, I found the, uh, the, the marketing slogan, this means more a bit cringy, but, you know, it, it isn't, uh, it isn't untrue, I would say. Um, and uh, he, he is probably someone who is, who, who, who found that uh, appealing in, in a club like Liverpool. Uh, and, yeah, it's I, I hopefully it, it's not uh, a flash in the pan or something like that. But you know, if you look at the the, the seasons that he has had at at, uh, at Leipzig, uh, I don't think there is a chance it is. Uh, it, it, it he's a very interesting football player, a, a very technical, very quick, um, creative, um, works hard. Uh, so yeah, I I, I wouldn't know. Which part of his game isn't uh, up to scratch yet? He 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 is still getting to grips with with our tactics and um, with his position in in this team with the, with the players around him. Um, but uh, in his second game for us, in his second official game for us, uh, being you know playing this well, uh, yeah, I I can only um, start dreaming even more about this and yeah the, i think the the bellingham comparison is 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 very um uh, is is a very uh, good one I, I i i think the only thing that that's different between them is probably that bellingham is more aware of his uh of his uh his qualities and uh, a bit more cocky and maybe this is what somos line needs to develop a little more yeah, and just to be clear, you know, I'm not necessarily comparing the two players individually. I'm just looking at the profile as that's obviously a sort of player that we identified. And obviously the Bellingham plans didn't come to fruition as everybody had hoped. But, you know, this this may well be the next best thing, regardless of how big the gap is between the two players. Um, Chief... Okay, let's move. Let's move to the. Um, no, actually, let's not. Let's do the. Let's do the the conversation. Um, I've long since said that Salah is the best worst penalty taker I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, again, it's not a great penalty, and the keeper goes the right way and it hits him and he gets lucky because it bounces back into his path away from the goalkeeper and he's able to stick it in. But I think coming back to the guy we've just been talking about who, you know, is completely the opposite sort of penalty taker. Nearly all of his penalties are, are bottom left as he's looking at the goal and the keeper just can't get near them because he's just so accurate, so powerful with the strike. And you know, if you want to look at it, you can look at it this way. Maybe that missed penalty away to Bournemouth last season, that's the difference between us getting into the Champions League and not getting into the Champions League. So is there a conversation to be had here now? There maybe is, but because I'd argue there definitely is, given his recent rate. Yeah, I mean, there's no arguing. He's, he's, I think he's missed his last five penalties. Only somebody told me the other day, and it, it sort of sounds about right. But no, I don't think his last five. He scored one against Spurs, but it might be like he's missed his last three out of five, or even maybe three Something out of like four. That. Yeah, I mean, 
I know that he, he obviously missed this one. He obviously missed uh, the one against Bournemouth last season. He missed a couple more. He missed one against Leicester. Uh, perhaps that was even the season before. But, I mean, he's... His strike rate, though, actually is is good and it's better than anyone else who's taken penalties long his strike term. Rate, his strike rate is good, Chief. But what you can do is you four can... Maybe, four out of five, it's it's 80%. So and Yeah, that's fine. Over the course of his penalty-taking that's career. True, but if, but you, it, it's if you want to boil it down right. to the last... Let's look at it over the last 10. It's maybe 50%, right? Yeah, totally. But there is a... I mean, there is a conversation. Like I said, that's... Straight off the bat, of course there is. I mean, I've never, I was never particularly happy with Salah taking penalties, and then he sort of, he sort of hit a, a bit of a purple patch where he was fine in the corners, and he was, I mean, there was a period where he just didn't miss them. Um, I think that's fair to say. Um, although recency bias sort of always clouds things, and I, I understand that, but. Not you know, in the absence of Milner, who rarely started and was given the the uh, lack of penalties that we actually receive, the chance of Milner being on the pitch coinciding with us getting a penalty got slimmer and slimmer as as time wore on. Um, we didn't really have anyone else who was stepping up to sort of challenge. Sort of now we have a couple. We've signed a couple. McAllister was taking Brighton's pens. Last season, and um, obviously Sabozlai is is a, an expert. So we have competition there now, and that means that Salah's going to have to start scoring them. Um, in the past, there was, like I said, there was no competition. So if you missed them, you know, of course he was staying on. He, you'd just say score the next one. But now there is genuine competition for you know that spot as the the, the recognised penalty taker. You'd have to be a brave man to try and take it off Salah. Um, but if he doesn't start to find the back of the net with these pens, which I sort of have a feeling we, we might start getting more of with the kind of players where we have and we've signed and, and the way we're going to play, the amount of touches we're likely going to have in opposition penalty areas. If he doesn't start hitting the back of the net with them, then then he will have to come off them. So it's, it's as simple as that, really. Yeah, okay, Beryl, let's get to it now. I'll let Chief have the last word. McAllister looks... To me, McAllister looks so important to the way we're now trying to play, which is, you know, there is less width. There is less reliance on on the fullbacks. I think, you know, we may never see... Trent to Robertson or Robertson to Trent pass again the way this team is now set up and, and how it has evolved, which was such a keystone um, tactic of, of our game two, three years ago. And it is now playing direct and through the lines. And, and, and to me, it, that is McAllister's biggest strength by far. Um Again, I think he's really effective until the inverted commas red card. And, you know, it's just, I'm kind of okay with the ref getting it wrong the first time. It happens really quick. Um, He is on the shin, but it's more so the the Bournemouth player kicking into his foot than, than the other way around. It's certainly 50-50 if McAllister gets the ball first and there's every chance there does, then it's a different outcome. But there's no intent there. There's no, you know, um, excessive force or reckless endangerment in these terms that they use. And the ref gets it wrong, which is fine. But for someone up in the wherever it is they are, some farm or something, I can't remember, looking at that on a replay over and over and over again and to not correct the referee, that is either negligent or incompetent or more concerningly perhaps suspicious. And there's got to be a point where we need to be more informed as to how these decisions are being made because 
you know, in the light of it, I, I found it very, very odd, to be honest, regardless of the evidence at hand, that this was overturned, because I did not expect that. Which seems like, hopefully, a positive change from the PGMOL. Yeah, that, um, um, history suggests that that is own that this <clears throat> would be an incident, you know, uh, them um, making the right call. But uh, um, yeah, but le let's not um, uh, complain about uh, something being done well or you know uh, uh, the the right decision being being uh, being made. Um, yeah, th they righted it wrong, and and that's 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 a good thing, but. Uh, you know, the, the, there is something else uh, it, there that they haven't uh, addressed. You know, th just the, the plain fact that Paul Tierney and uh, what's his name, Hatsidiakos or something like that, or I don't know. Um, uh, um, Paul Tierney being being the, the referee who, uh, if you just look at the objective figures, just look at the statistics, uh, uh, has uh, clearly has some sort of bias against uh, Liverpool. Uh, and uh, the the referee who was an assistant referee who, uh, yeah, on on tape, you know, uh, in in uh, um, uh, in 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 plain sight, everybody seeing um, elbowed a player of uh, Liverpool FC. So uh, and and there, there were no consequences for that fact. And and I think this is the most important thing that there are no consequences for um, referees making. Um, mistakes and you know the word mistake uh, implies that there's some sort of uh, uh, you know you can make an honest mistake there could be in incompetence could be, could be involved but both yeah of well the consequence is the consequence is barrel is they get a week off work yeah they they yeah uh, which uh, in my book w would be a reward i would say but uh, um, and 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 if, if that is the consequence and then you probably won't uh, change your ways, I would say, because uh, if if we look at how we want to change behaviors, or you know, the the purpose of of giving someone uh, uh, some sort of uh, uh, punishment is that you want to change their behaviors. They they shouldn't do it again, right? Um, but in in the case of, of of Paul Tierney again, but you know, also other referees. Um, making blatant mistakes there are no consequences and so they keep doing what they are doing and, um, and uh, paul tompkins from the tompkins times uh, uh, has, uh, has has looked at the figures and he just made a, a very simple uh, statistical analysis because you know uh, people who work with statistics know that uh, there's such a thing as a confidence interval interval you know you uh, if 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 uh, uh, a, a couple of you know if things occur uh, you can uh, take an average of things you know and and, and uh, what people generally say is you, you win some you lose some and, and it evens itself out but for that to happen things need to be in in what we call the normal so they don't uh, they need to be in, in in a certain confidence interval but if they are too far uh uh, from uh, you know, if the distance is too big from that confidence interval, is it means that something is happening which is not random. Uh, and now, in 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 normal terms, in layman terms, if if um, if you look at the numbers of fouls uh, that Liverpool FC gets uh, uh, for and against, and if you look at the the number of penalties that uh, Liverpool FC gets for and against, and if you look at the the numbers of uh, especially at the numbers of yellow cards that we get and uh, our opponents get, you see that there is a clear discrepancy of the, the you know the, the 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 fouls, the yellow cards, etc., that we get uh, against uh, other big six teams, and uh, and the, the the difference is so striking that it's uh, statistically you cannot say this is within the normal, and this means that there is. Uh, clearly, uh, some sort of bias against Liverpool, and um, uh, you, we could have, uh, you know, uh, theories about why this is. Uh, it's something to do with the fact that uh, a lot of uh, of these referees are uh, from uh, the northwest, and especially from the Manchester. Um, it could have something to do with that. I don't know, but uh, uh, the fact is that 
um, Liverpool FC don't get the rub of the green. Uh, and, you know, something should be done about it. And I'm, I don't know if, if, if Liverpool, the club, are trying to do something about this. Uh, and I don't know to whom they should, you know, who, who could they address with this? Is it the FA? Is it the PGMOL? Is there a direct line to the PGMOL? Uh, do they, uh, are they accountable uh, versus the clubs? Do, do they have to explain how they function? And can the uh, clubs say, we don't like uh, uh, the way you function, we think you are not good enough, or the referees are not good enough, or the refereeing is not good enough? Can they say that, and uh, what will happen then? I, I think these are things that should be discussed. I'm all for especially at a grassroots level, just uh, uh, respect what the, the the referee says. But this is not at the grassroots level. This is at a professional level, and we need to have some sort of uh, competency. And uh, if we can't rely on the competency, uh, and we have to uh, go into the realm of thinking uh, about, uh, you know, biases against the club, then, you know, you can't play f uh, football or any other sports in that way. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm very glad the red card for McAllister was overturned and that the consequences within the game weren't uh, uh, detrimental. We, we won the game, um, but it could have been otherwise. It, it could have been different. It, um, uh, he, he could have been um, out for, for three, three games. And yeah, uh, these are things you don't want to see um, if you want to, the sports to prevail. So yeah. Um, long-winded. Sorry for the uh, for the answer, but yeah. No, I, I think I think you know it it deserves that sort of uh, to the issue that we're in here, Chief. And you know, Beryl's right. Um, we could have ended up like Wolves last week at Manchester United, where you know the decision actually impacts the result. And it's oh, okay, we made a mistake, but there just seems like massive inconsistencies and bizarre situations. You know, I think Onana last week, where he absolutely cleans your man out, it's definitely a penalty. Similar to Mac the McAllister decision, there is generally blanket acceptance that the officials got it wrong, apart from a couple of lunatics. Unfortunately for Wolves, you know, they can't get the point back. We're lucky we get the, we get the you know, the, the suspension overturned. But not just that, there, there's inconsistencies in, in the way handballs are being given. Um, there, there's VARs looking at, at, at decisions and just not seeing literally, but what everybody else in the football world sees from from players to supporters to pundits to commentators to ex-pros to radio presenters and it really does beg the question as to how the supposedly greatest best and certainly wealthiest league in the world has ended up in this position where they're incapable of making decisions on the pitch and also more concerningly, incapable of making correct decisions after multiple opportunities to look at an incident? Well, it, we've ended up in this position because we've been going down this road for a long, long time. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, the PGMOL are the only professional refereeing body within the European game. We're the only country that has professional referees, and they are self-regulating. Um, they are a closed shop. They're an old boys club. As we talked about before, they get promoted up the ladder, not for their qualities as referees primarily, but also for being part of that club, for towing the party line, for essentially falling in behind the shite. They behave like any other institution and, and the worst kind, the ones that police themselves. For example, the Metropolitan Metropolitan Police and others like them, the, the Conservative government, for example, they are one and the same. They behave in the same way. They very, 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 very rarely admit to making a mistake. 
You're right, they, Keith. Though they they're essentially the establishment, aren't they? They are the establishment, and they behave like the establishment. And for me, the bias against Liverpool probably stems to something deeper than the fact that they're from the northwest. It's it's more to the fact that Liverpool, as a city and as a as a as a club and as a fan base, are are not establishment and are in fact anti-establishment. And the run-ins with the establishment over the years, those kinds of things do not. Uh, do not get forgotten. And um, I've said it for years that there is a bias. And, you know, now finally people who, who deal in statistics are analysing and, and proving that point. And um, the way we have the system, regardless of, of Liverpool within, the, within the, the Premier League at the moment, is that the laws are so muddled, they've managed to create such a confusion that you can or can't explain away pretty much everything. And we're left in a position where milk is being described as black, um, the sun's being described as blue, and we're all, and, and two plus two is five, and we, we all have to accept it. And if we don't, and there's a big enough outcry, oh, Hard Web might issue an apology on the Monday morning. Thanks, Hard. Um, this is, as you mentioned, the elite level of sport it, it doesn't get more lucrative more important more you know spectacular than this and we've essentially got an old boys network at the heart of the game and what Beryl said is very interesting who decided that that this should be the body who decided that that these are the referees can the game can the players can the league get together and say we do not agree with your interpretation of the rules and how you're changing them year in, year out, how you're modifying them so that nobody has a clue, how the players don't know what's going on, how the managers don't know what's going on, how the fans can't be expected to have a clue really what's going on. And instead of just paying lip service and, you know, making sort of glib comments on match of the day or whatever, when are we actually ever going to address this cancer really that is at the heart of of the game in this country which is a completely unaccountable body which is essentially ruining football for everybody um it it isn't a case of sargrips like i said I've, I've lived with this for a long long time as a liverpool fan and you know we've managed to triumph over it many many times anyway but how many fans of other clubs are out there watching the game going I really don't know what a handball is anymore. Or that's never a penalty, but I bet you they give it. Or that has to be overturned, but they won't. You know, um, I'm sure there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of them out there, if not millions going, really? Uh, on a regular basis, three or four times in a, in a, in a game day or in a match day. You know, if, if you're trying to see as many games as you can, you will have that feeling. Um, and, you know, it's more and more frequent. You said at the beginning that VAR would highlight just how shite referees are. Well, it has done. And it's also shown just how shite they are at, at admitting they're shite and just how shite they are at actually incorporating the technology that's meant to be there to help them and meant to be there to help us enjoy the game more. It's It's an absolute farce. It really is. Okay, uh, definitively put, Chief. Right, so let's let's uh, Beryl, let's look to let's look to Newcastle or, on Sunday. Um, we're the only team to beat them twice last season, um, despite our inadequacies. They look great against Villa um, with their high line, which is quite concerning. At home, St James's Park, you know, it, it's hard to go to at the best of times, but especially when, you know, the fans actually seem aligned with with the team and the ownership, bizarrely, because apparently Mike Ashley is a far worse owner than 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 the Saudis um, and people's moral compasses or, or whatever. Um, so this isn't going to be an easy game but 
you know, this is probably Chelsea's a weird one. This is probably a game where you're hoping that we can kind of benchmark where we actually are. Um, and I just wonder how many changes does he make? Does he bring Endo in and, and shore us up a little bit and, and protect us against that counter-attack? And, you know, what do you expect? And is this a, is this a fixture that you feel we can go get three points, get out of there, no matter how kind of dogged and messy and mucky it is, and, you know, announce essentially that, yet we're not a spent force and we're actually on our way back. Yeah, that would be my preferred uh, scenario. So, uh, but yeah, as you as you uh, rightly put, uh, we we don't actually have a benchmark on who this team is, what 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 we can. Um, we, we had uh, a, a very very good twenty to thirty minutes at, uh, at Stamford Bridge, and then we um, strangely fell into pieces, but didn't lose the game. Um, we started. You know, very badly against Bournemouth, but then uh, we played uh, some some really good football, and and strangely we played even better with ten men uh, for a while at least, uh, and then we dug in and and got the three one over the line. So yeah, there 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 are definitely things to be uh, encouraged by. Um, I would say. Uh, and you know we, we spoke about McAllister, we spoke about Soboslai, who are you know really, really uh, you know qualitatively, um, you know they are real enforcements. I would say uh, and really um, uh, exciting. And and we already had some exciting players, and we also spoke about about Gakpo, about Jota, about Diaz, about Salah. Uh, about Konate, <laughs> about Virgil van Dijk, and we didn't even spoke about Allison, who who saved us uh, uh, again a couple of times. I would say, uh, especially in the in the Chelsea game. So uh, and you know let, let's not not mention uh, uh, Robbo and, and Trent, who you know um, have have had better times. I would say better form, uh, but also didn't um, didn't let the team down or something like that. So th th they can only improve. I would say, so there are lots of signs. I would say that that point towards uh, us showing that we are back on track and that we are you know getting there at least. Um, but we will have to see. Uh, you know, and and you know. Uh, it is a cliche, but it's it's a cliche because it's true. Probably because goals change games, so we will see who scores first, who strikes first, and what that does to the other team. I, I would like to shut up the uh, the uh, the Newcastle uh, the the, the Toon army um, and you know and see what happens then because uh, I, I didn't think they were very impressive against Manchester City, and you know not not a lot of teams are, but Sevilla, Sevilla was. Um, and uh, I, I think um, uh, uh, Eddie Howe has has done uh, uh, a good job in the sense that you know w with the players that he has, and, and and those aren't bad players, and they they've spent a lot of money. Uh, but uh, uh, I think they 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 managed to 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 get a uh, you know to 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 form a good team, I would say. <clears throat> and uh, if um, uh, if you compare that team, you know, quality-wise to our team, to our players, I think we have lots more more qualities. So yeah, there's every chance that that we that we should be able to 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 get uh, get something out of that game. And uh, yeah, I, I would like us to to announce that we're back. And uh, yeah, we did win against them uh, last season. Um, uh, uh, Carvalho was was the one to, to score it, and I don't know in what, what minute it was, but it was it was in in the the hundred minutes something like that uh, at home. Uh, and away we were very impressive in, in the start of the game, and and then they got a red card, and after that we we strangely struggled. But um, I think there's uh, there's every chance that we have the feeling that we have their number, and if they have that feeling as well, that might. Um, make it this uh, an interesting game so yeah i i am hopeful 
Yeah, a couple of interesting points Chief Burrell makes there. You know, sometimes teams can get into other teams' heads. Um, and also that, like, player for player, we should be going and beating this team, regardless of where they finished last year. Personally, I think a little bit of a false position, but, you know, they've made smart signings. They kind of remind me of the kind of Spurs signings. Eddie Howe kind of reminds me of of a bit of a Spurs manager, but there is there is a real feel-good factor and a bit of a momentum at that club, and that's something that you can't buy. And that you can't rule that out as to having an influence on the result. Um, but, you know, you kind of expect that if this Liverpool team is everything that it is cracked up to be, and that we expect it to be, given certainly everybody's, not everybody's views, but certain people's views on both Fabinho and Henderson and having to replace with McAllister and Sabozla, and obviously a huge boost having McAllister available for that game now. You know, you've got to hope that we can go there and put on a show and and get the three points and get out and go, do you know what? Yeah, this is us. We're back now. Fuck the rest of these pretenders. Yeah, that would be the ideal scenario, of course. Um, but sitting here right now, I would I'd probably take a draw. Um, it's not a good time to be going there, given, and, and what I mean is literally the time, four o'clock on a Sunday. It's going to be live on Sky. It's going to be bouncing, and, you know, they are, they are very good at home. Um, so it's going to be a tough, tough game. Um, they're coming off the back of, of losing in City last week where they, they weren't very impressive. But I think they um I don't think they really approached the game in, in, in the correct manner, if I'm honest. Um I think they tried to shut it down as much as they could, uh, rather than having a go at them, which they did last season and, and were were pretty unlucky uh, not to beat them, certainly at um at St James's. They will have a go at us, because they are at home. Um, that might suit us. I think this is one where we, where we could do with a fast start. Uh, I think the best way to handle them is to get in front of them. Um, yeah, it's going to be one hell of a game. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to miss it because I'm at a, I'm at a gig, um, and it's one of them. Um, but it's, it's, it's not a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the magic of the imagination. I expect us to go there and, and perform. Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough encounter. Um, I'm not convinced that they will drop away so much. Like, uh, I know that's the sort of perceived wisdom that, um, you know, that the, the Champions League will cause them issues and they'll drop away. And, and certainly that it, it may have an impact, but I think they have strengthened well. And I think they're continuing to sign. They signed um, Lewis Hall today for twenty-seven million, or on loan, but with an obligation to buy for twenty twenty million plus add-ons. I think Tenali's been a been a good signing for them. I think Isaac's a class player. I think in Wilson they've got a player who'll score goals in the Premier League uh, on a consistent basis. Harvey Barnes looks like he's been a a decent or is going to be a decent addition for for their style of play. And you know they are solid, solid enough certainly at the back. Um, so I can see them having a, another good season. Um, I know what you mean with the Tottenham thing, but I think they've just they've got more solid, solidity there. They don't lose the games like uh, like Spurs do. They perhaps or d- have done famously in the past. They they maybe don't win um, as many games as they could. They had a lot of draws last season, but. But yeah, I would I would settle for a draw now. I'd be very obviously over the moon with a win, and I don't certainly don't think it's beyond the realms. And I'd, I'd probably give us a, a 60, 60, 40 chance in 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 the game. But I'd I'd be happy enough to to come away with there with a point and and remain unbeaten, and then uh, go ahead and and sort of beat Villa at home in the in the next match. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It should be should it's it's undoubtedly the the tie of the week. Okay, Beryl, last question. 
Um, does Endo start, and if so, who for? Uh, I, I think he does start, um, and I think Gakpo goes back into his own position, which probably means Jota drops out. Yeah, uh, lots of question marks, but yeah, I think that's the most likely scenario. Yeah, Chief. Yeah, I can see. I can see Endo starting. Um, it's going to be interesting whether Gakpo moves back, uh, back forward, or, or Jota stays in. Um, obviously, with his goal and his performance in in the second half. Um, but yeah, I think I think Endo will, will start now that we've signed him. Yeah, I, I can totally see what Beryl says, but I just feel like Klopp being Klopp. I, I think Gakpo um, sets this one out. Um, and you see the same three going through the middle. So let's see. It's a big one, folks. Um, it's an opportunity. It's one of those games that you look to and think this, although we're three games in, it looks defining as to what comes next. So, yeah, until next time. Um, up the, I don't know, I don't even know, up the, let's just get behind the wee Japanese lad, Reds.